listening to the Polygon Podcast. In this episode, a conversation between artists Esteban Perez and Aaron Nelson Moody that was inspired by Perez's participation in Response, Our Land Narrative. Be sure to click subscribe and enjoy. Hello, um, my name is Esteban Perez. I am an artist from Ecuador. And I am here um, talking to Aaron. Um, maybe you can introduce yourself. In English, my name is Aaron Nelson Moody, and I'm from the Squamish Nation. And yeah, I guess we can talk about how we collaborated like two years ago when I first moved to Canada. Uh, as I mentioned before, I am an artist from Ecuador. I am finishing my master's degree at Emily Carr. And when I first moved to Canada, I was uh, very curious. And also I didn't understand the, this new concept of land, the land acknowledgement, and also the word, the concept of First Nations was new to me, even though where I come from, there's a, a, a huge population of indigenous people and indigenous nationalities. So I was familiar to, to those uh, cultures, but to be honest, I didn't know that those cultures also existed here in Canada and they were so, um, uh, vibrant and still alive here in in, in the northwest um, Pacific coast of Canada. So that's how I um, um, just got in contact with with uh, Aaron, and and I was proposing to do a, a an art project, which was to. Um, take some earth or land from Canada, put the earth in a box and to send it to Ecuador. I was trying to question some ideas around uh, the nation states and around um, the power relationships between the North and the South. And that's how I got to, to meet Aaron during this performance that we did together. Um, yeah, I don't know if you can tell us a little bit about your experience with the Earth Project. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, I got a call from uh, Connie Watts who works at uh, uh, Emily Carr. And um, I, I think maybe you approached her, Esteban, and um, you know, you're asking about the land and, and doing some work on the land. And I think she suggested you get in touch with either myself or, or my mentor, Halakton. And um, yeah, we, uh, we met and I, I can't remember if it was on the phone or, or when we first uh, met in person, you were, you were explaining the project in, in, you know, in its earlier stages and you know, trying to discover more about this place. And um, you know, I remember, uh, you were, you were uh, I remember you being kind of offended by how hard it was to just to move around the world. So, you know, just as a human being, you know, there's these barriers from, from visiting one place to another. And uh, I can imagine it was pretty awkward. And yeah. um, 
Yeah, and uh, to come here and, you know, I'm not sure if it seemed like another barrier, but um, uh, we, hit, we hit it off right away. It was kind of funny, um, mm -hmm. um, but I, I remember talking to you and you, you wanted to do things in a respectful way. You, want, you were curious, you wanted to learn more. And uh, it's not surprising you're a little confused by the territorial acknowledgements. I think most Canadians are as well, because it's, it's fairly new here in this part of the world. Um, mm -hmm. It seems weird to acknowledge, hey, this, this is someone else's traditional territory. And there's this big question mark hanging in the air, well, what's going on now? Um, why acknowledge this and then just sort of move on as if, as if we say this, this land belongs to someone else. So that, of course it's confusing. Um, mm -hmm. And looking from the it must seem even more so. I, I recall asking you, um, I was trying to find out how, you know, how curious you were. And I said, what, what do you want to do like a traditional way? Uh, like when people come to our territory, which is, which is really common here. Uh, we've had visitors to this, this part of the world for, for centuries. And, uh, you know, you want to, to do it in a good way. So, you know, we brought my drum out onto the land and uh, we did a little bit of ceremony first. We introduced you to this place, which is very common here. Um, you know, as I think I was, I was mentioning historically, you know, when people came, you know, down the trails into our territory or by canoe in our waterways, you know, we would go out and welcome them. And uh, of course we were prepared to protect our territory, but our first gesture was always to welcome people, you know, onto our shores. And uh, we've got a lot of sort of, uh, you know, because there's so many nations, you know, here, there were so many nations here, the populations are so huge. We, we actually had a lot of intercultural um, sort of protocols, I guess you could say. So yeah, I was super happy that you were uh, you were interested in engaging in that, and uh, and then we went out into the land. Yeah, I I do remember the this the, the small protocol where you sang a song, and uh, actually like a couple of weeks ago, I was looking at the pictures of that performance, and I rem I saw a picture where I'm where I am also playing the drum and singing a song, and also. I was trying to be grateful and to show some kind of respect to this new place for me. Um, and it was really interesting to, to, to see this other layer of Canada, you know, when, when you come from, from the South to the North, it's basically you have this, this image of, of, of Canada, some, some place very progressive and very um, inclusive and all those, uh, ideas, and and I didn't know about this this history, and and I do remember that that day you also uh, we went to your house because I, I didn't have a, a shovel for for collecting the earth, and that was really interesting because you you talk about the the reserves, um, and you show me also your ID and. And I don't know if interesting is the word, but I was like also like amazed by by that type of segregation and and the, this distinction between human beings in this uh, so-called progressive um, country. So it was like a a discourse that was contradicting itself by. I don't know, but the only fact of meeting you, you know, you were like, I was discovering all these other layers of, of, of Canada and, and 
of and all these complexities be like um, related to this place. So yeah, I think I, I've learned so much during that day about Canada than in any of my textbooks. Yeah, and um, you know, I, I remember my grandfather and my uncles telling me, you know, that they needed to get a, a written pass. They had to speak to an Indian agent, you know, to leave our reserves. And um, what are called our reserves are just, it's just land set aside for us until we assimilate into Canadian population. So it's not even, it doesn't even belong to us. It belongs to the, you know, the crown, you know, the, the royal family in England. And uh, we've been sort of jammed onto this very, very small, very, very small percentage of our, our traditional land. And the little spots we have left are, um, you know, they, you know, we're under a bridge right now. There's a sewer plant down the road. There's, you know, train tracks running through and the highway. They always put all these things on, on our territory. We've, um, we've been alienated, you know, in our own homes uh, in much the same way you, I think, I think maybe you felt that feeling, you know, why, why is this so hard just to be a human being on the world? Why, why are we so segregated? And that happened to us within our own homes, uh, happened to us within our own families and uh, literally on our own traditional territory, we've been uh, uh, sort of set aside or, or forgotten about in, in Canada. And uh, until fairly recently, um, you know, we were sort of told to remain here in our territory. We weren't really allowed to leave much, but in my mother's time, you know, she was allowed to leave a little bit more. And uh, uh, in my in my generation, you know, we had more freedom to recognize, and uh, maybe a little bit more each generation, as people start to start to acknowledge, you know, some of that history. Uh, it's still sort of problematic. It's still weird that I have a you know, an Indian status card, and that. You know that they measure our blood purity to see how much of a citizen we are of our own territory and you know there's just a lot of interference um in who we get to count as family and they used to look at our skin color and say you know you're no longer indian enough to live on your indian reserve you know mm -hmm. and uh, that's not how we that's not how we count family and i think yeah. it would be a shame if canada convinced us to be so concerned about skin color and you know and and like yourself uh it'd be a shame if they convinced us to be discriminatory against you because you come from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, that's really interesting. And I guess I, we also were talking about the, the term decolonization, how that was also a new term for me, a new concept. And uh, at the very beginning, I found it a little bit aggressive um, because the whole my whole identity as a Latin American, South American um, is based on uh, being mestizo, which means mixed between indigenous, African and Spanish. Um, so, and for me that the term decolonization was trying to ne negate or reject also the, the, the or it was trying to perpetuate this division between um, the colonizer and the and the and the first nation or the, the yeah and the first nation or the indigenous people. So and then I remember we were talking about that concept and 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 for me it was interesting all the things that you're saying about these divisions, about blood purity, about um, a card, about the passport. 
um, how all those structures, um, again, they just perpetuate this division and these power structures between uh, the oppressed and the dominant people, but, and, and also how decolonization was like a, like a term that, that was trying to question these, these, these structures. However, it, for me, it felt like it was just accentuating these divisions in my opinion, but um, I guess, yeah, I, I just wanted to, to, to see, uh, see, to see myself as a human with no, no divisions, with no restrictions, with no, with no cards, with no passports. And, and yeah, I don't know if you can talk a little bit about the concept of decolonization from your perspective, maybe. Yeah, um, colonization is, um, you know, like racism, I think it's a, it's a system or a structure, you know, with the governing, you know, procedure, I guess you could say. And um, it was made palatable to Canadians, um, you know, through education. They convinced people that we were, you know, a lower people, you know, that we were more suited for hard work, that we didn't feel pain in the same way. That, um, you know, because we didn't have industrial technology, that somehow we were, uh, you know, simple, simple people or, or primitive people. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they didn't look at our, our, our strong intercultural ideas. You know, they didn't look at our governing bodies. Um, they didn't look at our, our care of the ecosystem as technology, even though I believe that it is. They didn't look at that as a sign of, uh, of sophistication, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, and, you know, within, within my community, we've had this, um, in my family, three generations of people, you know, dragged off and held captive in residential schools. And they were convinced that there was another way of life that was somehow better than ours. And it, uh, you know, became internalized. So, you know, my, my grandfather and my mother, you know, they pointed the fingers at Canadians and said, those people hurt us. In my generation, it was my own family that hurt, hurt my generation. You know, they've taken on the behavior of the oppressors. So decolonization is, you know, undoing some of the damage within ourselves first, within our own community, and um, trying to get back to that state of, um, I guess, balance with the world, trying to, you know, trying to get back to that state where we don't feel prejudiced first against ourselves, and then, you know, don't take that out on the people around us as well. So I, I don't really recall the song that I sang to you. Um, one of our one of our chiefs pulled me aside, and he, you know, it was not too long before he passed away, and um, he 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 shared this song with us. And uh, you know, he was kind of a he was kind of an innovator in our community. He was often going out into the world. He was doing territorial acknowledgments. You know, 50 years ago, he was going out and opening uh, you know events for people and speaking. And uh, he was coming towards the end of his life, and he pulled a few of us aside. He, he shared some history around this song. And he said, since time immemorial, when we saw, you know, visitors coming, we would walk down into the, into the water at the beach. We'd hold up our hands and welcome people in. And we'd share this song that represents our profound respect for, for all the people, uh, all the human beings in the world. And if you were strangers, we, we would be excited to meet you because then we had, on that day we would have more teachings than we'd had previously. We would meet new, you know, new people and 
hear new songs and new languages and, and, and understand new ways of doing things. So they say on that day, we would be rich. And the song to sort of celebrate that moment when we, we connect with people um, uh, was the song that I sang for you on that day. And thinking uh, in, in my teachings, our, our ancestors still walk this place. They still walk this land uh, all, all around us, um, the spirits of our ancestors. And the spirits of the ancestors of people who've come to live here as well uh, are also, also here. So in our, mm -hmm. in, in our community, we do that work to introduce people, to, to, to introduce them to our ancestors, to introduce them to the land, uh, even the plants and the animals. That's, uh, you know, that's what that song's for. And um, it would be a shame if we let that song slip away and we let people convince us that the, you know, the color of our skin mattered more than it does or you know, their religion makes some sort of difference in how we treat them. So I'm glad that our, you know, people like um, that chief I was just mentioning, I'm, I'm glad they did so much work to preserve those teachings. Mm -hmm. And uh, before he passed away, he said, uh, he was telling us, he said, uh, I would hate for that work to, to die with me. It's important that we make sure that people feel welcome here. You, you talk about that kind of like, uh, you know, that feeling you had. It's almost mm -hmm. like, you know, you were worried I said you didn't belong or something, you know, because mm -hmm. you, you'd already got that treatment, you know, when you were trying to cross the borders. Um, so I'm glad that we were able to welcome you in a good way and to make, you know, to let, you know, let you know you're you're more than more than welcome to come out in the land and, and do your work as well. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, I really uh, I really appreciate your respect in uh, in asking for you know for a guide you know in our house here in our territory that that showed a lot of respect, a lot of curiosity, a lot of respect. Yeah, I think I I needed to to operate with some level of respect because I was dealing with something that I didn't know. And I think it's something that you mentioned is really interesting. I think two, two things that you mentioned was like the idea of your ancestors uh, walking through the forest that was really strong. And that helped me to, to develop a series of works in relationship to the idea of nature and the forest and the earth. And those, how the earth and the forest is somehow like a container of all those spirits and how I started to see, you know, after two years of doing the performance with you, I returned to the forest where I took the, where we took the earth in the first place. And I did um, an installation over there with some earth bricks. And I was recording a video. So I was returning like um, several times to the same place. And after returning to the forest, like for a couple of times, I was able to, to, to feel it and to embrace it, to, to understand those, those cosmologies or that perspective and how that changes your my that changed my, my perspective towards nature. So uh, it became this, this place of very complex, uh, uh, we're, we're a complex ecosystem of not only life, but also of layers of spirits and, and time. And I don't know, that's my perspective, but I don't know if you can uh, explain a little bit more about that, that idea. Yeah, like I, you know, over, over time growing up, I heard 
you know, I heard a lot of stories about our territory, you know, I heard a lot of people's view on, on our home. And, uh, and then you came from somewhere else completely and you looked at our land completely differently with fresh eyes and, you know, did new and weird and interesting things with it. And, uh, you know, it was just, I was just sort of tickled by the whole thing. It was just, it was cool. Uh, you know, what, a, what an opportunity to see things with fresh eyes. Um, and that's what I mean about when we meet new people, you know, we, I mean, you were introducing me to my territory in a way I've never even imagined before. So I found that just fascinating. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I truly appreciate the respect you had of our territory and, um, and the way you did your work. And uh, the, the language is always a little problematic um, to explain these things. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I remember us very clearly talking about how this is the same planet, it's the same world. We're walking on the same soil, it's the same world. Uh, and we're just from different parts of it. And of course you have your house and I would never go to your house and tell you how to do things. And, you know, you didn't do that when you came here, you were very respectful. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I've talked to people since, since we met and since I've seen some of your work and, uh, I was telling them about your work and they were, they were equally curious. They just, they thought it was so interesting, uh, the work you were doing here. Uh, yeah, it was just, you know, that's, that's the reason we, I, I think historically, uh, I can't remember if I told you this or not. But we, we don't, uh, we wouldn't have published our work. We wouldn't, we weren't uh, a reading and writing people. We, we passed information personally. Um, yeah. So, of course, we get to know people before we give them like, you know, the secret stuff, you know, we get to know each other a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And during our ceremonies, um, we would call witnesses when the work is very formal and mm-hmm. people would, would come and uh, and speak about what they saw from their perspective and their teachings and, you know, share songs and their own language and um, teach us, you know, teach us a different way of doing the same thing, maybe, uh, because what I saw you doing is respecting our land. And uh, I, I got to say, there was, one, there was one kind of funny moment where, you know, we were lugging all that, rock, you know, that soil route was really heavy, as I recall. So we were lugging that thing around and uh, you kind of stopped and you caught yourself and you said, I think you said something like, you know, where you're from, you don't hesitate to ask your cousins or brothers to help you. Yeah. But then you're like, you're a complete stranger and I'm asking you for help and <laughs> you're lucky all this stuff around. And uh, it just seems so normal to me. Like, like you just seem like another cousin, right? From somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think that day I noticed that you were helping me a lot <laughs> and I just met you that day. So you were helping me to carry this very heavy box of earth, digging this hole, doing like a lot of labor, physical labor, also like conceptual, um, um, I don't know, not labor, but a conceptual um, practice or work. And, And yeah, I mean, it was like a lot of information for me, like again, like, took me to your house I was learning about the um the, the cards the, the the reserves I was learning about the land I was learning about the forest and it was just so much to to learn in one day and and, and I just had to stop and say like okay thank you I mean I just met you and you're helping me a lot and and I guess I was mentioning that in, in South America, it's also very uh, common, like to help a cousin or a friend, and you just 
it's just something normal, I guess. And and yeah, I felt that 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 same connection with when, when we were doing this performance. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like that. I like the um um I guess the universality of just, you know, family, you know. Um one of our this guy came into one of our ceremonies once and our, our speaker, our head ceremony guy was looking at him and he said, I, oh, I'm, I'm glad to see my cousin here. And we looked out in the audience, there's this guy who was a very different color than us. He obviously came from a very different part of the world. And the guy looked really surprised. He said, you gotta be my cousin because you're a human being. And the guy just started laughing. Like he really, he really enjoyed being part of the day, um, the work. And I think he was just someone's friend of a friend who just happened to be in the car and they came to the ceremony. and. Um, yeah, he just he just fit in like I think people do, and I, I think that's I think that's normal, you know, for human beings to to treat each other with respect. And of course, you know, there's people out there who'll convince us that's not the way to behave, that we should be, you know, taking from each other or treating each other with disrespect. But uh, like our our word for ourselves is stalmo, and uh, for the longest time, um, like Chief Dan George, who's from Slaywatuf, the next nation over. Uh, he he was saying that word means uh, human being, uh, mm -hmm. and we, you know we're still new at translating our languages into English because they don't it doesn't really translate right a lot of the stuff. And then uh, like 30 years later, his his son said, "Nah, that's not that's not how we should translate that word. That's not accurate." He said, "It's not human beings. It's being human." So it's it's you know working at it, working at our humanity, treating each other with respect, making decisions about how we how we speak to each other and and how we behave behave towards each other. And he said that's closer to the, the real translation of, of our word for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course we go everywhere in the world and people have the same sort of word for themselves. Yeah, definitely. I guess it's more like a verb, uh, like being something, like yeah. in, constant, in constant change. And yeah. I guess I, I, I just remembered like, one of the um, projects that I did within the Earth Project was to listen to the Earth. So that was one of the, the ways in how I presented. And I think I showed that piece to you where I made like a synthesizer and I connected the, the copper cables to the Earth that we collected from the forest. And then I connected uh, at the same time to the earth that I took from outside of school, which was named as the unceded territory. So my idea was to listen to the both uh, piles of earth and they were talking through the same speaker. So they were just, the idea was to say that the division is ideological, the division is human made, but the earth is not divided. The earth actually, uh, uh, bring people together or bring people and humans and more than humans together. Um, but yeah, I guess, and, and what you mentioned before, like how the, how you sang a song, welcome me to the, to the earth, to, to the place. And how I also sang a song when we finished the performance, I was, um, I was very intrigued by that. And I guess that's from the very beginning, of the, this project, sound and music was involved in, in, in the project. And that's, and, 
I think I think that influenced me to to keep working with sound, to keep working with musicality and with uh, frequencies. But yeah, I guess I don't know if you remember about the that piece the, that I show you. That was so interesting. And I just, you know, never thought about attaching, you know, wires to the earth and listening to it, but it's, uh, <laughs> but it made so much sense when I saw it, like, of course that, you know, and of course it sounded really cool. And, um, you know, it was, it was, it made so much sense to me when I saw what you were doing with it, but I never, I don't think it ever would have occurred to me. Um, and I don't think it's occurred to any of my family members to do that, even though we live with the soil every day. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like we, um, I, I, uh, we paddled from here, uh, north. For, for a couple of weeks, about 400 miles. And um, we had this sort of tradition in our canoe. There's 13 people in a, a big carved red cedar canoe. It's like 55 feet long. It's this you know, big, big canoe. And um, whenever we move, we, we let each other know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you know, one arm gets tired and we have to switch sides. And there's kind of a formal procedure for it because uh, uh, you could just all stand up at the same time and then the canoe will flip and you know, you'll end up in the water. So we have this way of doing it so that it's safe um, and quick and careful. Um, and it doesn't matter when the water's flat, but when it's really stormy, you know, when it's really rough out, of course, we need these protocols to, to be safe. But uh, even when we step ashore, we'll, we'll, we'll say our name very loudly mm-hmm. so that maybe the people on the beach can hear us and the people in our canoe know that we're moving. So our, our relatives know that you know they have to brace themselves, and the people on the beach know we're coming. But we were also required to do that protocol when there was no one there. And at first, it felt kind of kind of silly, like there's no one on the beach. We're, we're in the middle mm-hmm. of the, the middle of the coast, in the middle of the forest. But our elders said, no, the ancestors are still there. The earth is still there. The animal people and the plant people are still there. So you have to introduce yourself when you when you do that. And um, it made so much sense once we started doing it. And, um, you know, I feel like what you were doing was sort of introducing yourself to the land and you were, you were doing this work, um, you know, a little bit with me, but mostly with the actual, the actual land itself. And, uh, yeah, just, I was fascinated by the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, thank you for sharing that. And, and yes, I guess I start uh, to see the earth as, a, as another collaborator, as a non-human collaborator and just to see this the earth as another life form and just the fact that you can connect like a cable to it and it will generate the sound it means that it has some some vibrancy that it has that is alive um and i remember the box that of earth that was at my studio you can see actually some plants they were growing and it, it felt alive. So it, it, it's not like something that's, um, that doesn't have any, any, any animacy. It's actually uh, uh, an element that has a voice, let's put it that way. And so, yeah, I guess it was a collaboration with you and also it was a collaboration with the earth, with the land, for sure. It's so interesting you say that. Um, we work on like, you know, the big red cedar. Sometimes we do these large carvings and uh, they're, they're living things. Um, mm-hmm. Even after they're chopped down, the, the wood is, is very much alive. And uh, because of the grain and, you know, the knots and the, the way it grew, um, it's mm-hmm. almost impossible to impose your will upon it. 
like you've got this sketch or this idea or this design, then you go to do it and it's like, what well, is a big knot right where I want to put the face, you know, so I have to change my design or, mm-hmm. or it splits in half and you have to like come up with plan B. It's, <laughs> it's very much a, a collaborative process working on a big piece. Um, and I dream about them. Like when I work on these pieces, actually I wake up in the middle of the night and I've been dreaming about them. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if it was the same for you, but uh, um, you know, the idea that, um, you know, there was a story one of our elders told us, and uh, he was he was very old. Uh, there was no written records of his birth in this place, so he sort of predated any written record in in Squamish Valley. And uh, you know, he grew up in a longhouse, you know, wearing mountain goat woven blankets and coats and pants. And um, the oldest of our elders said, "No, he was quite a bit older than them." And he had this sort of memory from before, you know, settlement here. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was asking me once, he said, you know why we hold eagle feathers when we do our, our work? And uh, uh, it's like the worst thing to do to tell an elder you know something because they won't tell you nothing, right? So <laughs> I, I was curious and I, no one had actually told me why we hold eagle feathers. And he said, when, um, when we look up in the sky, sometimes you see the little speck, you know, an eagle soaring up really high. Mm-hmm. And he said, when, e- when eagle looks down, he doesn't see us speaking different languages. He doesn't see our skin color. He doesn't see our nationality or spirituality. He just sees all of humanity as one. So we hold these eagle feathers and we speak from the heart. We speak our own truths and we listen to people and uh, we, we do work in a good way. And he said, we're, we're reminding ourselves of that eagle perspective. And uh, it, was, it was sort of thinking to me when you were uh, doing your work mm-hmm. that we look down and we see soil as all this you know, homogenous substance. And we notice when, you know, when it's red or black or, you know, we notice different colors, you know, sometimes, but yeah, you know, as you know, when you look really, really, really close, it's made up of many different parts, um, plant matter, animal matter, you know, parts of the rock and the sand. Uh, it's actually not homogenous at all. It's actually quite, there's quite a bit going on in a lump of soil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, and I think something that you mentioned right now is about the, the cedar tree. And that was like one of the things that really stuck with me. Uh, when we first met, it was like you you told me about um, why the cedar tree was important to your culture and your and how it also represented like your ancestors. And I was uh, fascinated by the similarities with indigenous people in Ecuador and how um, for them, they used to bury their ancestors in a, in a clay pot or in a, in, yeah, in a clay pot underneath a, a tree. So, and that was like uh, fundamental for me because I was able to, to, I start seeing the forest as a being, as a living entity instead of us as a piece of land that needs to be exploited and, and you know. Um, uh, you, you brought some soil from, from Ecuador too, yeah? Were you able to get that up here? No, it was the other way around. Like I was gonna ship soil from from Canada to to Ecuador, 
um, it was really expensive, so I couldn't do it. But my my mother, she came to visit, and she uh, she was able to to bring some of the soil that we collected that day to Ecuador. Um, no one said anything, so I I was able to transport the land from one place to another, thanks to my mother. <laughs> Uh, we when we paddled from um, here to this place called Waglisla, uh, they call it Bella Bella in English or Spanish, I suppose. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, there was a group that came from further south. They came from America. Um, you know, our peoples are cut in half by this sort of border. And people paddled up. Uh, it took them like a month to get from where they were to Bella Bella. And uh, they had this jar, this like, big canning jar full of water. And when they mm -hmm. went up to to speak to the people, they they undid the, the lid. They poured it. They poured it on the into the into the beach, you know, into the ocean. And they say you can't tell the difference between this water and the because the water they brought up was from the front of their village. And they said it's the same water you know, that mm -hmm. runs through runs through our people. And like you were saying, it's the same land. And um, it's funny that it seems normal to us to um, to actually stop, detained, you know, questioned, you know, have these sort of passports. Um, it's kind of like what happened to us on reserves, you know, the, the larger vision of that, you know, and I, you know, I kind of get it in one way, but um, we also had a way of, um, like, we would always stop people when they came to our territory. And, uh, you know, if they came in singing a slow song and wearing the regalia, we'd say, oh, they must be coming in a peaceful way. So, it, you know, we were obligated to feast them. And you can mm -hmm. kind of tell when people are attacking, they come a little faster, and, you know, sing a bit more raucous song and not be wearing regalia. So it was always really clear when people were trying to attack us, which, you know, which happened, right? But, um, you know, our first gesture was always to, to welcome people. Um, mm -hmm. there's, no, there's no benefit in, in fighting. There's no benefit in, in, in um, you know, that sort of prejudice. Um, there's no real benefit to any, anyone in that. And we, we struggle, we've struggled with it. Like our community, we've got old stories of, you know, getting in fights with people and it's real easy to start a fight and it's real hard to stop it. But um, our approach, you know, it's slosh and the, um, the potlatch, mm -hmm. we just feast, feast with people. And sometimes when we really didn't like them, we'd give them a bunch of gifts and they'd even be ashamed, you know, they'd be so ashamed of how they were acting, you know, that they would have to accept these gifts and, and maybe start behaving a little better. But it's just, it's just a funny, you know, for us, it's, it was, it's been very effective. They've been able to stop wars. You know, we've been mm -hmm. able to forge peace, you know, just by hanging out and sharing songs and doing work together. Wow. Oh, wow. That's very interesting. And I guess maybe, I don't know if we can talk about uh, your art practice maybe and how do you see your relationship to, to the land and how this plays and, and, and the land influences maybe your art practice? If, is there any connection or, or maybe not? Yeah, well, I think I mentioned earlier, you know, about decolonizing ourselves first. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I grew up with this, you know, profound shame of who I was. Um, mm -hmm. you know, pe people here called me half-breed. And when I went to school, I'd get beat up, you know, because my mother was native and uh, I'd come home to the village and uh, sometimes my cousins would beat me up for being half white, 
Um, and I just didn't know where I fit. Um, but the, everyone had the same message for me is I didn't belong somehow. And uh, I felt the sort of shame of just, just my own humanity and um, had to kind of work through that and realize that, that that was someone else's message. It wasn't, you know, had nothing to do with who I was. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my work has been um, sort of delving into not just my cultural way of doing things, but the ideas behind it. Um, so not just sitting on a rock for four days, but fasting and intentionally going onto the land for four days, um, you know, in a ceremonial way, understanding the reasons for the, that sort of behavior, um, mm-hmm. you know, just engaging in the, in the world itself, you know, in our territory. And I no longer want to sort of move. I think I was trying to escape, you know, this, um, the chaos of our, our village life back then. It was pretty, pretty rough when I was growing up. Uh, I think I was mm-hmm. trying to escape that. <clears throat> and then turned around and came back and I came back home within myself as well. And uh, it was sort of the art, it was carving, it was, you know, drumming and singing, it was, you know, paddling in the big canoes, it was sitting in a circle with my, you know, my, um, my group, you know, and doing ceremony or doing healing work. Yeah. And um, a lot of my work, my personal work has revolved around that. So um, <clears throat> we'd, almost, we'd almost completely lost our Coast Salish art when I was a boy. I'd, I'd never seen, you know, real Coast Salish art. Mm-hmm. And nobody I know, well, some of the elders had seen it when they were kids, but for the most part, everything had been taken from our village, like all the weavings, all the carvings, all the regalia had been taken from our people, mm-hmm. living, living examples of the work. So, uh, you know, some of my colleagues and I, we could have dug into it. We started doing research. We started going to see old pieces. And then when we found an old piece, we'd replicate it. And then we'd bring it to our elders and say, what is this thing? Why, why did they do it this way? And we just pestered our elders with like a million questions. And uh, <laughs> until they, you know, until they started to fill in the, fill in the blanks for us, mm-hmm. we started to get a better, a better idea of, um, you know, how, how we used to communicate with each other through, through our art and through our practice, how we used to treat each other, how we used to train each other, you know, how we used to um, educate people in the sort of the apprentices. So we started piecing that back together. So I've been doing that since, I don't know, early 90s, I guess, early 1990s. Wow. Uh, as a personal practice and then it's like how I need to make a living so there's parts of it I'll share um I don't try to to sell my work but if people want to you know pay me to do a carving at a school you know I'll I'll engage with that because I think it's good um I know people are Mm -hmm. curious and I'd like to share some some truth you know with them Mm -hmm. not not just the stuff that got made up in history books but you know some of the stories I got to hear sitting on the Squamish River you know I love to share that stuff with the kids um, yes, I do jewelry. I do um, metal smithing, mm-hmm. blacksmithing, repasse, um, wood carving, uh, all, all sorts of things. In, in the early part of my work, we used to uh, replicate old pieces in bone or antler or something or wow. rock and uh, would replicate these old pieces to learn how they were composed or um, engraved or, or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so it wasn't really about the medium so much, but just the process. Yeah, um, yeah. The process of, of of being a Coast Salish artist, I guess you'd say. That's really interesting how you you were kind of like um, restoring that 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 culture, that those that art that was kind of like almost lost, and how by doing that you were also telling your story uh, outside the the art history books so that's very 
interesting to be honest. I mean, I really appreciate that. Um, I guess that we we can finish here or no? <laughs> well, tell us what you're gonna do. Tell us what you're gonna do next. Now that you're all educated. Um, I am working with sound. I am very interested in doing sound soundscapes. So I've been doing recordings of the forest or also of uh, underwater sounds. Uh, trying to, I am very interested in in listening to to these other frequencies, these other um, parts of reality, and to try to move beyond the. the the human exceptionalism, like just to base uh, work on human uh, ideas, but also like trying to listen to the space, to the place, to, to the land, to, to the forest, to the water, I guess. And, and yeah, I've been doing that lately. I'm still trying to figure it out because I'm, it's very new to me, but I'm super excited and, and, and just, just by again, like you mentioned, just enjoying the process and 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 see how the process takes me uh, to places that I haven't imagined before. And you know, I've never thought about working with sound before, and and I'm doing that right now. So, um, yeah, I guess that's part of what you just mentioned before. Like, just try to enjoy the process and see um, where it takes you. It's it's so interesting, um, you know, the question of like about place-based knowledge. Um, you know, there's some artifacts I think that are I'm not sure if it's from like more recent colonial culture or artifacts of the Renaissance. You know, where people looked elsewhere, you know, for knowledge, for truth, and uh, I think if we can actually um, actually be, you know, on on the world or in the world where we are, we can actually hear the sounds of the forest around us and you know hear the sound of the water and the the animals around us. I, I think we're engaging in reality in a, in a very different way. I know it's been a big part of our culture here for a long time. Like an elder said to me, if you sit still long enough and are quiet enough, you'll hear the sounds of the world around you. And you'll hear all the songs and all the language that make up our culture mm -hmm. from the forest itself. So we're not, we haven't like, it's not like some wacky culture we just made up. It's, it's actually from mm -hmm. this place. Yeah. And um, I noticed that people, like sometimes people just get off a plane here in Vancouver and they hear that weird noise that ravens make or, you know, <laughs> they hear the sound of the, the rain on the water and it's like they don't have a word for it. Mm -hmm. And they'll, they'll see a piece of native art or hear a native song and they're like, yeah, that's, you know, that's the feeling I get from this place. Uh, so <laughs> it makes sense to people here as well. There's a lot of people who, you know, buy native jewelry or, you know, buy a native t-shirt. I think they're looking for a word or if you will to express what they're seeing in the world itself so i think it's really important i think it's really important like every, i think you know we're taught that everyone where they come from in the world they've got to know the knowledge of that place the the teachings of that place and if we can put that together we'll have like a better like maybe an indigenous map of the world about people mm -hmm. speaking about their their homes um and I think it's necessary. I think it's I think it's necessary for people to re-engage in the world because uh, we're doing a lot of damage to it, um, often unintentionally. Yeah. But we're doing a lot of damage to the world. And if people connect with it, I think they'll start to care about it a bit more. 
Yeah, I guess that's one of the things that I'm trying to do, just to to stop and listen to to these sounds and and just trying to 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 question myself of what you mentioned, like what we're doing to the to the planet. No, and also I think we were talking before about thinking in a planetary scale. Um, and I'm also interested in that, like just to stop thinking in a human scale, just to think in, in a bigger, more complex uh, uh, relationship to, to the place and also how that relationship to a specific place is, is, is the reflection of how we engage to, to the planet or to a bigger sphere. So uh, it's hard to, I don't know, tell people that uh, we need to change our, our behaviors towards nature or towards the planet. Um, I guess more people are interested in, in just trying to, to be aware and be conscious about uh, what we're doing. But again, um, I guess in art is like, with art is like, uh, it's a place where we can propose or experiment with other ways of, of seeing the world and other ways of building uh, a narrative around the world and how we engage with, with, with the place and therefore with the planet, so yeah. Well, thank you. It was it was a it was an honor to be a part of this project, and uh, it's an honor. Uh, it's it's nice to know you're out there. It's nice to know you, and I imagine you out there in the world doing this work. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Aaron, for for you know meeting with me once again, talking about the Earth Project once again, and yeah, I really appreciate your time and all the the teachings that I've learned from you and. And that after two years, I was able to to understand some of it. But yeah, um, yeah. Thank you. And as always, it's, it was a pleasure talking to you. Gracias. Thank you for listening to the Polygon podcast. Visit thepolygon.ca to learn more about this episode. This podcast is produced by the Polygon Gallery in North Vancouver, located on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting our work by making a donation. Visit thepolygon.ca slash donate to find out more.